Welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. Okay, okay, okay. Now, kids, find your seats, please. Find your seats. If you have a Bible and you want to follow along, we'll be in Genesis chapter 1. Genesis 1, so I'll invite you to turn there. As I do, I'll say this, and I think I may have said this at other Christmas Eve gatherings that I have taught at. For whatever reason, well, I know why, Christmas Eve uh, is one of the most difficult sermons or teachings to prep for for a person like me. Uh, You know, you've got 52 weeks out of the year, and um, other than really two of them, Christmas and Easter, you can kind of do whatever you want, and people don't really know what's coming, and there's sort of this, this air of expectation, you know. You may be in a series, and you kind of know what's coming, but really, you can, you can really do whatever you want, you know, not straying too far from the script, obviously, but with Christmas and Easter, you kind of have to stick within the, the text, right? You have a couple of texts that you can choose from, and so for me, this one is always really, really difficult. Like, how do we tell the story in a fresh way? How do we do it new? How do we, you know, this, that, and the other thing? And uh, it's, it's, uh, it's crazy. It's a mess sometimes. But man, am I excited for tonight. Wow. So excited. So excited. We've been thinking about this, you know, kind of like dreaming this one up for a while now. And uh, really excited. Um, but Christmas is such a familiar place, right? There's familiar songs, familiar traditions, Familiar jello salads that you'll be eating, you know, that grandma makes and uh, all that other stuff. Familiar liturgies. And familiarity is not a bad thing. It's not, I don't want to rag on familiarity. In fact, familiarity and familiar things are often uh, very helpful. Uh, they, they often help us when uh, we feel sad or lonely or we have a new experience in life and the anxiety level goes through the roof or your kids are driving you crazy. That doesn't happen to me ever. Um, but familiarity, our thing, it, 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 help, it kind of helps us get through those times. And as I was thinking about this, I think guys get this. Uh, well, I know, at least I do, and I think I've, I've heard from my other men folk in the world that we get this. Like, how many of you have a favorite T-shirt in the room? Any favorite T-shirt people that, like, you won't get rid of? I can't see you all. I'm hoping that a couple of you... Yeah, okay. And I'm curious, any women in the room ever leverage the favorite t-shirt to get something that you wanted done, like the leaves or this, that, or anything? I'm going to throw that shirt away, so help me God, I swear I will. Um, for me, uh, I had a couple of t-shirts that were my favorites, but really, it was uh, my favorite hat was the thing that was uh, my deal. And I think I may even have a picture of this hat. Yep, there it is, friends. Uh, that's a... Uh, well, in case you're wondering, that's a nice rainbow from the San Juan River in New Mexico. But the hat, actually, um, this was a very nice fish, one of many large, large, large fish that I've caught in my life. The, the, Roger, actually, I laughed over here. He and I have been fishing together, so he knows that's not true. Um, but I'm a fisherman, right? So, uh, But this hat is a Washington Capitals hat. I got this when I was in, in high school, uh, about 15 years old. And uh, I wore this hat everywhere. As you can see, like even the, the bill of the hat is starting to fray. And if it were still here with us, you would see that the hat has, you know, sort of this greasy handprint, you know, from where I grab it all. And, and right back here, it's got a couple of fingers from where you kind of hold on to it. Um, this hat has seen the Rocky Mountains. It has seen the frying pan, the roaring fork, the blue, the plat, and like I said, many, many big fish. Fish slime, the whole deal. And, and 
when I put that hat on, it was like it was made for my head, you know? It was, it was just fit, and everything was right, and it was this familiar spot. Like, when I put this hat on, I'd be having a bad day. I had a fight with my girlfriend, who happens to now be my wife, so that all worked out. And we had a fight, and I'd put my hat on and, you know, a, a favorite flannel, and it was kind of like, ugh. Oh. Like, I can, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be okay. I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. And I don't, I was trying to think about this for girls. Like, what, what, what would be the equivalent for girls? And I was thinking, like, a pair of jeans, you know, that would, like, made for you. Or <laughs> Help me out here. Shoes? Chocolate? Shoes? I don't know. We'll go with shoes. That's a little less intrusive. Um, and awkward, but there's something about these old familiar things that that just sort of set the world right, and they have great value. They really do, um, and I think Christmas is is in that kind of genre. But like anything good in life, there is always the potential for a shadow side. Anything good that we experience, anything good that we have to a degree or to an excess, can be negative or it can have negative influences. And I think sometimes when we think about familiarity and we come up to Christmas, we kind of drive this truck right in here and we sit and we experience the songs and the traditions and the food and all this other stuff, it's possible to kind of miss things because we just sort of sink into, I've been here before and I know what to expect. And so tonight, my hope is that we are able to sort of weave this, you know, walk this very fine line between the familiar and the fresh, something that is expected and something that is unexpected. And so to do that tonight, I want to start the story in a very, very different place, possibly odd, possibly weird. Uh, hopefully by the end of this, you see it all come together, and I'm, think, I'm hoping that you will. But I want to start the, uh, the story in a very different place because it's my firm belief that where we start the story from has massive influence and impact on the story that we actually end up telling.
may seem like a pretty odd place to start for Christmas Eve, but stick with me. Here's the question. When God says, let there be, right? You're familiar with the story in Genesis 1. God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God said, let there be this, let there be that. And it was good, and it goes on and on. And God said, let there be. And what in that moment, what is happening when God says, let there be? I think it's important to remember that God does not create out of anger. God doesn't create out of chaos. God doesn't create out of bitterness. Uh, some of the ancient cre- creation stories of old, uh, in, in the ancient Near East, Mesopotamia and Egypt and other places, they talk about God actually needing laborers, like he needs hard laborers. And so out of that desire for slave labor, God creates. But the God of the scriptures doesn't create from that place. In fact, the God of the scriptures creates from a place of absolute, pure, and passionate love. I remember the first time uh, when, when I found out we were pregnant. I, I wasn't pregnant. My wife, uh, when we found out that Laura was pregnant, and there's the, you know, these, not, not actually nine months, it's 40 weeks, for those of you who care to know, 40 weeks of anticipating and longing and waiting, and then there's this moment where this new baby, this brand new life, comes into the world and it takes its first breath and I could go on and on about the intricacies and science of what happens in that moment I won't but I remember standing in a hospital room and the 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 gal hands me this this beautiful baby girl and I catch her gaze for the first time and I remember being just absolutely filled like if another drop of love and passion were put in me, I would just burst and start gushing all over. And I remember in that moment, and that is just a drop in the bucket, those kinds of moments where, we're, where we just are full to the brim, just a drop in the bucket from the place in which God speaks and says, let there be light, let there be. And not only that, Not only is it that different, but then God creates out of love, but intrinsically connected to this is an invitation. Now, this is where we want to really focus tonight, that when God speaks, he not only creates everything that we see and experience, but in creation, there is this invitation from God. And there's a couple of Hebrew words that I want to point out to you that sort of let us in on this. The first one, well, actually... To this, this idea of invitation, the, the actual definition of in, invite is to request the presence or the participation of. So built into the very fabric and story of creation is this idea of invitation. There's a couple of words. In verse 11 of chapter 1 of Genesis, it says this. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation. The word is dasha, produce. Seed-bearing plants and trees on, on land that bear fruit with seed in it according to their various kinds. So creation itself built into the fabric of creation is not this static sort of never moving thing like God speaks and creates and then it stays the same the whole time. Actually, built into the very essence of what creation is is the seeds of potential life, future life. And so creation is it's, it's dynamic, it's moving, it's ever flowing and it has this life force given by God just pulsing through it. I think that's what I felt in that moment to be a part of that. So this is what happens in creation. Now, what's important for us tonight is what, is what does God say to humanity? He speaks and things happen 
You know, all these little things, chirping birds and bugs and flying everywhere. And then there's this moment where God actually invites humanity into the process. Verse 26 of Genesis says, Then God said, Let us make man in our own image, in our likeness. Let them rule, the word is rada, rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air. Verse 28 says, God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. The word is kabash. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and every living creature that moves on the ground. So these words confirm that creation is not dynamic it's, or it's not static. It's actually dynamic. It's moving. And we are not pawns in a cosmic chess game. But rather, we are invited into something by the very God who speaks the words of creation that there is an invitation to rule and subdue, has this idea that we should engage, we should participate, we should steward, we should tend, we should actually play a role in creation. And the million-dollar question is to what end, right? If this is the invitation of God into, to humans in creation, to what end? Like, what's the point? Where is this thing headed? Where is it going and this, my friends, is the key for me to the entire biblical story. If you miss anything, if you miss this, I think you miss it all. And it's the Hebrew notion of shalom, right? The word shalom, if, you, if you've ever heard this word, is translated what? Peace, right? Peace, shalom. But in the Hebrew mind, it's way bigger than that. It's way deeper than that. And it has to do with, it has to do with universal flourishing, wholeness, and delight for all of creation, everything, all of it. Birds, animals, plants, rhinos, hippos, giraffes, humans, men. That was next to the rhinos and giraffes and men, <laughs> women. Sorry, that didn't go well. <laughs> but all of it. So where is this thing headed? What's the invitation of God? The invitation of God in creation is actually to participate in creation and to be people who bring forth, who call out, who enable and, and participate in the bringing of shalom. The bringing of peace, the bringing of wholeness and flourishing and delight for all of creation. This is where it all starts. This is where the whole thing emanates from, the entire story of the scriptures, from Easter to the whole deal, Christmas, Good Friday, Easter, Pentecost, all of it, from my perspective, starts here, creation. And gang, this is the bitter and shocking tragedy of Genesis 3. Not just that Adam and Eve disobey, right? They choose to do something God tells them not to do. Don't eat the cookie from the cookie jar. No, no, no. If you think about it, what they're actually doing is refusing an invitation. They're, they're, they're rejecting the invitation of the creator of the universe to participate, to be co-conspirators of shalom. That's what's happening in Genesis 3. Now, if you thought starting at creation was odd for Christmas Eve, you're going to have to hang with me for just a few moments because we've got to go through Israel before we ever get to Christmas and Easter. So turn to Genesis 12, just a couple pages to the right. Genesis 12. Now, are there any kids in the audience here? Make some noise, kids. Any kids? A couple of you. There were a bunch more previously. Where I, Do you guys know the song Father Abraham? No. Okay, we're going to ditch that one then. Earlier I sang Father Abraham, actions and all. So you just have to imagine that, right? This is a story, Genesis chapter 12, where God comes to this crazy guy named Abraham and he says this to him, the Lord said to Abram, leave your country, your people, your father's household, go to the land I will show you. And then he says in verse two, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great and you will be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you. 
Whoever curses you, I will curse. What is Abraham blessed for? Like, what's the purpose? Why does God say to Abraham, I'm going to bless you? Like, what is the deal? Where's this going? To what end is Israel headed? Um, deja vu. You know this, this phenomenon? I actually did some study on this, some research on it. It's, it's quite a fascinating phenomenon psychologically. I won't bore you with all the details, but suffice it to say, deja vu, right, is where you, let's say you go to Europe for the first time. You're traveling in Europe. You walk into a cathedral. You've never been there before, but all of a sudden you're struck with this, this, this overwhelming sense that, man, I've been here before. I've seen this before. Or maybe you're out, with, you're out at dinner with some friends, and, you know, all the people are, are gathered around the table, and you start talking about politics and, you know, policy and all this other stuff, and then all of a sudden you're like, whoa. I've been here before. I've experienced this before. I've heard that before. Happened to me just, just a couple weeks ago. I was with my mom in a coffee shop. We're talking, doing, you know, catching up, mother, son. La, 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 la. It's lovely, beautiful. And uh, for me and my mom, she's great. And all of a sudden, she says something, and it triggers. And I think to myself, man, I feel like I've heard that before. Like I've been here before. Have you ever had this experience? What is Israel? Why does God bless Abraham? To what end is this thing going? The blessing that God says Abraham will get and then be to the world is an echo of an invitation that we have already heard. Because what Abraham hears, the blessing that God gives through Abraham, is invitation. It's invitation to be Israel, this certain kind of people in the world who are connected to the creator God again, who are co-conspirators and laborers and enablers of what? Shalom. Israel is an echo that we have already heard in creation for the same purpose, for the same end. By being a light in the world, a beacon, a beachhead of shalom, Israel is an echo. Now, I'm going to invite Courtney up, and Courtney is going to uh, tell a little bit of this story, picking up from Israel. So I want to invite Courtney up, and any of the kids that are here, and uh, any of you adults who feel like a kid and want to come up, you're welcome to. Mr. Ben's going to play a little mood music while we transition here. So uh, kids, why don't you come on up, and uh, is it just yours? <laughs> We've got it. We're, yeah, Oliver, come on up here, bud. That's awesome. Get on up here. no other night. Tonight, we get to journey to and remember Bethlehem. The little town that we seek sits up high on a hillside along with other houses and for thousands of years the houses have gathered here sort of like a family breaking bread together. In fact, so long ago, King David, this very same David, who by God's Holy Spirit flung a stone and defeated Goliath, was born in this town. As night gathers, the last two travelers come slowly up the road. So glad you asked. 
They have come all the way from Galilee, from Nazareth, to here, Judea, to Bethlehem. And they have come because the Roman emperor has said that all the people must come back to the house where they were born so that he can count the people and he can gather some of their money as a tax. Well, look, this young woman is about to become a mother, and she is traveling with her husband. They are Mary and Joseph from Nazareth. Mm-hmm. Well, Mary is so weary. It is so late because they have been traveling for six days, and she is with child. And so the place where they come, it is overflowing with people because so many people are here for the census. And everyone is looking for a place to rest. But all of the guest rooms are full with all the visitors so they have a problem. They don't know where to go. But there is one family who welcomes them in to sleep with their animals. At least there it will be warm. There are many stars tonight, and one in particular shines even brighter than all the rest. Joseph is waiting. Mary is in pain. Israel has not heard from God for 400 years. Yeah. Now listen. All creation is holding its breath in anticipation as if even the earth knows what is about to happen. Then all of a sudden, a cry, a cry from a baby. Look, he's here. Emmanuel, God with us. He's one of us. And Mary wraps him in swaddling clothes and she lays him in the feed box that has been filled with straw. Now, there are some fields nearby in Bethlehem, and these fields aren't empty tonight. There are shepherds working in the fields like they do every night. They're taking care of their sheep. But something's about to change their world forever. God once again reaches down from heaven to the hearts of the people that he created. And the darkness is lost in light. And in the midst of that light shines something even brighter. The face of an angel. The shepherds are afraid. But then the angel says something. He says, don't be afraid. I have come to tell you about the most joyful, joyful news. Today, in the city of David, the town of Bethlehem, a Savior has been born. He is Christ the Lord. He is the Master. He is the Messiah. And then, behind that one angel, 
a whole multitude of angels filled up the sky and there was light everywhere. And praise came from the hearts of the angels. And they sang out to God, glory to God in the highest and peace to all on whom his favor rests. The shepherds, they ran. They took their sheep and with joy and delight, they headed across the fields of Bethlehem until they came to the place that was beneath the star. And it was there where they found the Holy Family. And it was there that they found themselves overwhelmed with the mystery of all that love. And it was there that they met Jesus. Jesus is good, Jesus is good, Jesus is God's Son. He is the light, He is the light, He is the Savior. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus is good, Jesus is God's Son. He is the light, He is the light, He is the Savior. profound and beautiful mystery of Christmas. An echo of something we have already heard in Israel going back to creation. That the God of the world invites you, invites me, and speaks. And does anybody find it ironic? The invitation of God is one that invites Adam and Eve into a very vulnerable and intimate and life-giving kind of relationship, right? I mean, the, Bible, the scriptures talk about it in terms of nakedness. It says that Adam and Eve walked with God. They were naked and unashamed. They walked with God in the cool of the day in a garden called delight. That's where it begins, and then in Christmas, does anybody find it ironic that a woman in the Middle East, 2,000 years ago, unwed teenage mother, gives birth to a baby in one of the most intimate 
experiences that the human can ever know to the most vulnerable of things that we have come in contact with, a baby. I think it's a stroke of genius. I think it's absolutely brilliant. I don't know where you have come from. I don't know what you walked in the door with tonight. But I do know this. Try as we may as the church often, we, we miss it. And we say things that we shouldn't say. We do things that we shouldn't do. In the name of this God. In the name of this Jesus. Sometimes we start the story in Genesis 3. It's about sin, and it's about death, and it's about hell, and it's about this, that, and the other thing. And tonight, we want to start the story from a different place. Because, quite frankly, this is where the Bible starts. This is where the story starts. It doesn't start in Genesis 3. It starts with invitation. It starts with a God makes himself known and out of love creates this and as broken and as far as this is from what that was supposed to be Christmas is about an invitation that invites you and I back back into relationship with the God who made us back into a place where we have a part to play where we become co-conspirators and enablers and bringers of and of shalom, peace. And again, it's ironic that the angel shows up and says what? Peace, peace on earth, goodwill to men. So friends, this Christmas, I want to invite you. I want to remind you that this is the story of the scriptures. It's one of invitation to you and to me, as broken and as flawed as we are, as I am. And it comes from a God who loves you and created you for a reason and a purpose. This is Christmas. This is the invitation. Would you pray with me? God, as we sit quietly among these three bright lights that remind us of the story, a story that tells of a God who creates out of love and creates beauty and wonder and mystery and stillness and chaos and color and light and invites us into it tells of a story of a God who initiates through a people to be a beacon, a beachhead, a, an outpost of shalom in the world, and a story of a baby who shows up, and a great light enters the world, not only enters the world, but comes down among us and with us. And so God, I pray that tonight, in the stillness of these moments, that you would be known God, that all of the misconceptions and all of the false information, all of the 
experiences that would, would just fade away. And God, what would rise would be pure, that it would be you, that it would be the essence of the story that you've told us and that you invite us into. And, and God, may we respond. May we bow a knee to this child king and exchange our life, which is broken and is filled with ways in which we do things that were never intended for us to do and exchange it for a life that's being remade into the image of you, Jesus. God, may we respond. together uh, and when we're when we're through that's uh, your invitation to be dismissed I'm not going to come back up but I just want to say thank you for being here tonight thank you for worshiping with us thank you for considering the story of Christmas and uh, I pray that it's been one that has encouraged you and uh, invited you into something beautiful so let's sing together find us online at www at awakencommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash awakencommunity or on Twitter at awakencommunity. See you next time.